Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of The Cycle Podcast. On this episode, I chatted with Ashley from Florida, and she shares her endo journey with us. Her pain started in sixth grade, and she had surgery, which included thoracic, bowel, and bladder. She explains to us what a VAT surgery is for diaphragmatic endometriosis and more. Listen into her journey here. This episode is going live on February 26th, 2021, so we are only a few days away from Endometriosis Awareness Month, and this year looks a little bit different, and I know we're hearing that everywhere, but there are some great ways virtually to get involved or share your story, and I encourage you to, if you're comfortable, if you've listened to me before, it took me many, many years to share about endo, and I still... I'm a little private about it, but I'd like to do an episode on March 1st to give you an update as to how things are going over here um, and what's going on in my life if you're interested. It's hard to talk about yourself sometimes on podcasts, so I do struggle with that because I really just, I just want to help and it feels a little selfish to talk about myself, but I think it would be nice to give you just a little update on what's going on with my endo journey as well. If you have feedback, please feel free to email me anytime, melissa at booconsulting.com. All of your positive feedback, kind words, reviews in the App Store are so helpful that they help us expand more reach and reach more potential patients that need to hear this podcast. So I cannot thank you enough for your support. It really means everything to me. I know this is a long introduction, but also just wanted to mention, don't forget, if you are into protein bars and you're in the U.S., sorry, people outside of the U.S., I still haven't figured out a way to ship to you at a reasonable cost. I do make a protein bar that I made because of endometriosis. I think it's pretty good, but I'd love to hear your feedback on it. If you ever want to purchase those, itfitsbar.com. Use the code ENDO for 10% off. I appreciate you so much for being here. Thank you so much. And my pronouns are she, her. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Ashley. She is from Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story. Um, We welcome you on the cycle. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ashley. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Ashley Dow, and I'm from the Orlando, Florida area. And my pronouns are she and her. And I started my endo journey probably. I would have to say right at my first menstrual cycle is when my pain started. I remember calling my mom from school. I was in the sixth grade and I had her come get me because I didn't, I wasn't prepared and she came and got me. And the next two days I spent at home in the fetal position in the worst pain <laughs> of my life. So it started from my first menstrual cycle. I'm so, so sorry to hear that. So you're in sixth grade when this starts to happen. And does this continue to happen every month after that cycle or did it go up and down? It did. Um, it was pretty much every cycle. I mean, it might have been, you know, a month or so that I got lucky and I was able to function and go to school. But I mean, whole life it, from school to college to work, it was home for the first two days of my cycle. And yeah. 
you know, in that time, so you were missing school, you were missing, excuse me, events, you were missing things for the first two days of your cycle from sixth grade on during that time. Did you think that that was just normal? Did you talk to, you know, your mom or your parents or someone about it because you were missing school? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, my mom actually took me to her OBGYN. Um, I think it was about 13. I want to say it was 13. So that was my first introduction to an OBGYN was 13 years old. Um, and that's when I was actually put on birth control at 13 because pain was so bad because I was missing school. And they also gave me a doctor's note to take to the nurse that like, excusing me, you know, today's the month to miss school. So when you went to that appointment, was it just like here, take birth control? Was there any mention of this might be endometriosis or did that, was it just kind of like a here, take this, it'll help with your cramps, go on with your life. Exactly. So the first, yeah, the first OBGYN, that was exactly what it was. It was here, you know, this is common, you know, this will help to reduce the pain and severity. So that's pretty much what my option was. You know, I think that I did have a physical exam actually, um, when I went, but after that, it was like, this is pretty common. This is pretty normal for the most part. Like here, my, my mention, the mention of endometriosis wasn't until I was about 15 or 16. I mean, it was like constant, you know, and I had switched to a different doctor. From 13 to like the 15 to 16, did the birth control help? Did you have side effects from it? It did. It did help. I would have to say, um, temporarily, you know, of course the body gets used to that. It did reduce the cramps. I mean, to be honest, as much as I didn't like taking birth control, it did help me so much in reducing the pain. I mean, being off of birth control, it was doubled over in pain in the fetal position, you know, heavy, heavy, heavy flow. Um, not to say that there wasn't some months that were worse than than others, but it did, it did help keep things at bay. Yeah. And were you having any other symptoms outside of your cycle during this time? Or was it really just those first couple days? Um, like any bowel or bladder? Not that young, not that young. I just remember just like severe uterine cramping, severe lower back pain. And the pain just went down into my legs, you know, inner thighs, just crampy legs, like, you know, waist down basically. But um, bowel symptoms, urinary symptoms can come on till later. Okay. So 15, 16, you start seeing a new doctor and, mm-hmm. and at that age, somebody mentioned to you the word endometriosis. Yeah, he did. He was amazing. Um, he did mention that. And, um, we were actually scheduled to have my first laparoscopy at 15, but unfortunately my doctor at the time passed away tragically. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm it was so awful. Sorry. So my, I canceled my surgery because I wasn't comfortable going to anybody else at that time. That makes sense. Especially that that's such a young age to have a surgery. Yeah. It was very scary. Yeah. So then you're taking birth control. What, what kind of happens next? You're, you're keeping things at bay during high school. Yeah. So I lived on birth control. I lived on, um, ibuprofen. I got to the point where ibuprofen wasn't, wasn't, 
doing the job. So they prescribed me naproxen, mm-hmm. Biox. Um, at one point, I would think I was 15, 16, I was taking Darvacet because of the breakthrough pain. I mean, it was just, the incentives were not, were not doing everything it could for the pain. Right. Right. I remember being prescribed naproxen too. And I was like, this does nothing I, for me. I felt like it, it did <laughs> literally nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was probably better taking, you know, a handful of ibuprofen than, yeah. than the naproxen to be yeah. honest with you. I really so. didn't feel like that helped me. I did switch to the mm. ibuprofen too, not knowing like how harsh that is on your stomach as well, oh but my gosh. Yes. yeah, so hard on the tummy. Okay. So you're taking painkillers, pillar, pain killers and birth control. You're getting mm-hmm. through, do you get through high school this way? Yeah, I got through high school. Um, and I mean, barely, but yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. did. I did miss a lot of school and stuff, which was really hard. Did but, you talk um, to any friends or anything? Were they like, why do you miss that? That maybe yes. you didn't understand this you know, I give this example sometimes all the time and I won't go into it, but like, I thought everyone just was, had as painful periods. I thought that that was just normal and that they just didn't talk about it. Like I didn't talk about it. Yeah. I I got the whole, really? I mean, for your period, you're missing school. I mean, how bad can it be? You know, my periods are one to two days and I have no, I've never had a cramp in my life. And I'm like, well, it must be nice. You know, mm-hmm. it must be nice. So I, I definitely got a lot of, you know, um, I felt like people didn't understand even yeah. my own mom. I mean, even my family members were like, you know, we did have a couple of family members who had really bad periods. My grandmother did, um, some cousins did to the point where they were bedridden, um, or like hemorrhaging. Mm-hmm. So but really it was like, it was definitely something new for all of us. Yeah. And, you know, you've heard the word endo, but did you like Google it or look it up or anything? Or were you just kind of like, okay, like I was going to have the surgery. I'm just going to stick on this birth control. Did you have a deep understanding of what that even meant at that time? Yeah, not really. Um, just that like, you know, of course the doctor said, you know, with endometriosis, you probably have this based on your symptoms. You probably, this is probably what you have. So I kind of went with that diagnosis forever. I mean, before I was officially diagnosed, I'm like, well, I have it. you know, um, yeah. I don't think I could get pregnant. So, um, no, I didn't have a really deep understanding until I was in my twenties and the pain got increasingly worse Yeah, is when I started doing more research. Yeah. So that's, that's what I was going to ask you next. So like the next step mm-hmm. is you get out of high school, you get into your twenties yeah. and, and really the, the alarm starts to go off because you're starting to feel worse. Yes. So, um, I started my young, thank, thank God for that. Um, at 21 is when I got pregnant with my daughter. And so, um, you know, going through pregnancy and all that stuff, it kind of puts endo at bay for the most part. I mean, there is weird pains. I don't know if that's normal, you know, someone with endometriosis your whole life, you don't know other pregnant women go through those weird pains, you know, in their pelvis and abdomen and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I get into my twenties, meet my husband, um, didn't think I could get pregnant. So we really didn't take a lot of precautions. I mean, I was on and off birth control to kind of manage my pain. Um, but it just so happened. Like I was switching birth controls and working two jobs and I ended up pregnant with her. So 
And, and during that time, obviously you're not having a cycle. So like you said, you may have had pains and aches, but you, yeah, you didn't really know. You can't really decipher what it was actually from. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. So So after after, you have her, yeah. Do you go right back on birth control or did you not? And then the pain came knocking. Right. So I, I did, I wasn't on birth control for the first, you know, a couple of weeks after, after I had her. And I mean, very shortly, I want to say eight weeks postpartum, I developed like a, like almost eight centimeter cyst on my ovary. So my OBGYN's like, you need to get back on birth control. Oh, this rupture, like on the neutering actually. Um, and that would keep my pain again during the month it would keep me from breakthrough bleeding it would keep my pain through the month minimal um then i would get my period it was absolutely awful i mean it was it got worse you know in a different way i started i would say about age 22 i started having pain under my right rib cage and I was like, what is this? I mean, I was, I was laying down, turning, it felt like there was like something sticking up under my ribs. And then eventually that pain went into my shoulder. And so I was having right shoulder pain and right upper quadrant pain during my cycle. And I went to the doctor, went to my primary care. They did ultrasounds on my abdomen, looked at my gallbladder, liver, all that stuff that came back fine. Um, and had an endoscopy that came back fine. Like they could not find the reason why I was having that pain. And so one day I realized this is cyclical. This is happening during my periods. So weird. So I literally took to Google and Googled my symptoms, like right upper quadrant pain, right shoulder pain with menstruation, you know, and I found cases of diaphragmatic endometriosis. And so I kind of self-diagnosed myself with that at 22. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you go to your doctor and say, I think I have diaphragmatic endometriosis? I did. I did. And he said it could very like quite possibly be that, but it's very rare. It's very rare. Of course. Yeah. 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 Very rare though. Such a high percentage of people I know with endo have had that. Right. Right. So you know, I mean, this was like, oh my gosh, 12 years ago, so much, thank God it's, you know, the awareness is happening, you know, about yeah. extra pelvic disease. So, um, so he, he says it's rare. Did he kind of just mm-hmm. ignore you? I mean, no, he didn't really ignore me. It was just like, it was, I had, I had yet had, I had yet to have a laparoscopy. So there was no confirmation that I even had endometriosis yeah. at all. But, you know, all the symptoms and everything led to, I did. So I was very nervous to have surgery. So I postponed surgery for a long time. I had my second child at 25. Again, the pain got worse. I started having gastric pain, bowel pain, you know, I mean, just gut wrenching pain. I would get my cycle and this, my pain in my, in my stomach was so severe in my shoulder. I mean, it was just so severe. Um, and again, I still put it off because being a mom and a new mom, I was terrified to have yeah. surgery. Absolutely terrified. So I didn't have my first surgery until I was 30. In this time, like between all of this, you know, 22 to 25 and then 25 to 30, mm-hmm. did the gastric pain and the other pain, like the rib and the shoulder, did it start to become 
during more times of the month than just your cycle? Did it start to become like a daily situation? Yes. I, I definitely had like chronic pain, chronic fatigue. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, monthly, I mean, all the time. Um, ovulation was hard. I mean, ovulation was really hard. Um, I had breakthrough bleeding, you know, I was on the IUD and I bled for four months straight. Um, so I had to get that taken out, which, and then I ended up getting another one before my excision surgery. I had another IUD put in. I mean, I went and tried all different things. I tried besides Lupron. I didn't do Lupron. I didn't do any of those. I didn't do the depo or anything, but I did play around with different birth control methods and stuff like that. So and were, did you know, like this fatigue and these pains, like outside of your cycle, did you attribute it to endo? Um, I did. I did just because doing research, at the you time, figured like, it all you know, out. I figured it out. I'm like, this yeah. just goes with it. I mean, there's a lot of time that I just spent in bed on my heating pad. I mean, yeah. went through depression for you sure. Know, it gets depressing after a while. Of course, of course, when yeah. you can't maintain your normal activities and you had two young children, I can only imagine the amount of fatigue with the pain on top of it. So at 30, you finally, you hit a breaking point, I'm guessing of just pain and you were ready to, to really see what was going on. Yeah, I was, I mean, it had been a long, long road, you know, yeah, and I yeah. was just like, I've got to get some answers and I've got to figure out what, you know, what can I do to fix yeah. this? You know, yeah. I thought having a laparoscopy alone was just going to, going to make me feel better. And that's, I had no idea. So I still wasn't educated enough, but yeah. you know, I knew it. I, you know, I started doing my research and I'm like, well, I need to, I need to do this. So I did have my first surgery at 30 okay. and I was diagnosed, um, by that doctor with stage four. Mm -hmm. Um, and he confirmed it was on my diaphragm. I told him like, please look on my diaphragm. So he did. And he's like, this is like the first, you're the first patient that I had to, that told me where to look, you know, but I, I knew my body so well, I was very, very into with my body. So I knew I was having, um, bowel pain, you know, with bowel movements and stuff. Um, urinary frequency. Um, so I knew, I knew exactly where it would probably be. It was also so scary having that first surgery because you're like, what if I get in here and they don't find anything? Like, I know I'm not crazy, you know? Yeah. That's such a huge fear for so many people that I talk to. And I don't think I've ever spoken with anyone who had the surgery that it wasn't found. Like you said, you're just in tune. We're intuitive. I do think that we know when something's wrong, like we, we know our bodies know, and we just, we know that. So after that surgery, you find out you have it there. Now, was this just a a regular OBGYN that did this surgery? Did they try to remove any, or was it more just a diagnostic surgery? Um, so I was under the impression he was supposed to be more so a like specialist, is what he goes by. Like I'm a specialist. He doesn't do your well woman exams or anything like that. He strictly does, you know, female gynecological surgeries. Um, so we got in there, he did ablate a few things is what he said. Um, but then after that, he's like, okay, well, here are your three options. He said, you can get pregnant again. Um, which we you know after the children, I, I was at stage four. So that doesn't, I don't know what that had to do with anything, but he's, th- these were my options, get pregnant. Um, 
have a complete hysterectomy, like ovaries, everything, uterus, everything, or go on Lupron, which he really, really wanted me to go on Lupron. I mean, so much that he ordered Lupron through my insurance and I it wasn't without my permission. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing you went home and you already have done so much research. You started to Google and you found out that these, none of these options were really going to be a solution to endo. Exactly. I went home and that's what I did. I got on the computer. I got on Facebook. I searched endometriosis support groups. I found amazing support groups. And that's when excision came into the vocabulary. That's when I learned like, okay, you know, these aren't, these are all band-aid options. I've already done band-aids for all these years, you know? Yeah. So when I started doing research and joined the groups and back for probably a year and a half, I would say before I pulled the trigger on, you know, making an appointment with an excision specialist. How were you feeling in this time period? Were you taking birth control and, and keeping things at bay over this year? I was or like so, IUD. Yeah, actually I, did, I went back to my OBGYN um, who delivered my kids and he put me on, he was very supportive through everything. Um, endometriosis, he obviously knew about, but it wasn't his specialty. He specialized in high risk deliveries. So he was very supportive with me going outside for surgeries and stuff like that. He always took care of me when I came back. So he did put me on back on the IUD. And, um, I, so I was on the IUD prior to having my excision surgery. Okay. Okay. And so now you're 31 and you have your excision, uh, 32, actually. 32? Yeah, I, okay. I had it at 32 March, 2017. So endometriosis awareness month is when I had my surgery. Yeah. 2017. <laughs> yeah. And how did that go? What did they find? How, you know? Yeah. So I, um, I consulted with the physician over the phone, um, sent my records and I had to travel out of state. And so my family came with me and we, I was probably there for like 10 days and I was told over the phone based on my, you know, prior surgical report and pictures and stuff that I would probably need the VATS for the diaphragmatic endo, um, which is so scary. That was probably yeah. one of the scariest things they told me. Sure. Um, and for and then, people who are listening, do you want to tell them what yeah, the VATS is? Because sure. they may not know. Yeah. So the VATS is to look for thoracic endometriosis. So if endometriosis is on your diaphragm or your lung, they it's a video-assisted thoracoscopic surgery. And they, they make a little incision like in your rib cage area, they collapse your lung and they look around the thoracic cavity of the endometriosis and they excise it that way. Um, because they can only get, you know, they can only get that area on that side. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So, so you were very nervous probably going into I this. Yeah. Terrified, like collapse my lung. I'm going to have to have a chest tube. Like that was terrifying for me. Um, they also, so I knew I was going to have a multidisciplinary team because I had bowel involvement as well. I had urinary involvement, involvement. So I went there, I had my surgery. It was close to six hours. I was in the hospital for five days. Um, and then, you know, I came home and that was the beginning of my recovery. Yeah. So. 
And how are you feeling now? So that was 2017. It's 2021, yeah. almost March of 2021. I know, I know. It's so exciting. Um, I feel like, I'm not going to lie. I'm like 98% better. I mean, it's amazing. We're, I, we have, you know, I still have an ovary. So they, they were able to keep my right ovary. My left ovary was adhered to my bowel, which was all stuck to my pelvic sidewall. Um, so I had a bad resection, my ureters, he described, he had to dissect my ureters off of the endo, um, had a hysterectomy. I had a bowel resection, the vax and me all in the same surgery. Wow. And to be honest with you, I would do it all over again. So you had, you ended up having a chest tube as well. And yes, yes. And a bowel yes, resection. I did. That, wow. That is a big yeah. surgery. It was huge. And they did tell me, and it was funny because he's like, you know, it's probably like a less than 5% chance you're going to need a bowel resection. Well, of course I was that 5% chance, you know, and yeah. they did tell me there would be a small, like a temporary, you know, lost me back. Forever. Um, I think I'll not have to have, but yeah, it was a big surgery big surgery the care I received was outstanding from everybody and you know coming home my OBGYN who delivered my kids took care of me so I mean everything was everything worked out so well I and mean, like I said I would do it all over again yeah and did you fly or drive we drove I was scared to fly I'm just kind of like you know, I wanted to be comfortable. Like I felt yeah. like even though it was a long, kind of a long drive. I'm like, I just want to be in my car. Cause what sure. if I'm not feeling well, I don't want to be like crying on the airplane. In front of people, people. You know? No, like, I just I think it's to expect. incredible that you went home like five more days after that. That's yeah, incredible. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was in the hospital for five days after my surgery. Right. And then I was in the hotel for, I want to say three days later. I had my post-op visit and they released me to go home. So I drove halfway home, stayed in a hotel room and then drove the rest of the way home. Incredible. That's really yeah. incredible. And, and now, like you said, you're 98% better. So you went through your recovery, yeah. you got all healed up and what's your day-to-day -day life now? You just feel completely better. Did you also have adenomyosis? Is that why I they did? did. Yes, That's why I they did. did the hysterectomy. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. So yeah, that was definitely suggested as well. And I knew I was done having children and my uterus gave me <laughs> the worst pain for so many years. I'm done. Take it. You know, I, I definitely pushed for keeping an ovary because I just, I was not ready to go into menopause, you know, yeah. so young, 32. I mean, yeah. so I, mean, so I still deal with some ovarian cysts and stuff here and there, but okay. it's been manageable. Yeah. And your day-to-day -day, like pain and life is just completely different. Completely different. Yes. Wow. Completely different. That's so, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy. That's thank you. Thank you. Incredible. Incredible. Well, thank you for sharing. And you know, that that's just, it's, it is inspiring to hear and, and hopeful to hear because there's a lot of people listening that are just starting their journey and they're in the middle of their journey and you know, you found a great physician. It sounds like that really helped. And now you feel really well. So that's great. Yes. And that's what everyone yes. no deserves. No hormones. I'm not taking any hormones or anything. So 
probably the longest, you know, I've been without hormones in my body yeah. and it feels so good. I, I feel like mentally, I'm like even better mentally, not having all that inflammation and not being on the hormones and yeah. everything. It's like my mind is clearer. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not a, a doctor, but that makes sense because just even when you're in pain all the time, it's very hard to just even think sometimes. So yeah. that's great. Absolutely. So any, any tips or, or tricks that you want to share with the community listening that kind of helped get you through or that, you know, really made a difference for you? Yeah. So, um, I did do pelvic floor therapy when I came home. I mean, that was, that's another thing that I don't think we are told with endometriosis that our pelvic floor gets weak and that, you know, we need that therapy. And sometimes that can even be beneficial, um, before having a surgery, I think, you know, I mean, um, so I did do pelvic floor therapy for a few weeks after that, which I think helped a lot. Um, you know, I wish that I would have did research like prior. I wish I would have found out about excision a lot earlier than I did. You know, that's probably my only regret. Yeah. I would do it. The, the big surgery being as scary as it was. I mean, I put it off for so long because I was so scared, but at the end of the day, like I wish I would have did it sooner and it just excision made such a difference in my life. Like I said, not, not to say that I don't have some, like you said, like, you know, weird pains every now and then it's like, that pops up. I mean, I still have hormones going through my body. I still have an ovary. So I do get cysts sometimes, or, you know, this weird pain, it could be like adhesions or something, but my quality of life now is so much better than it ever was. You know, I mean, going out to dinner, you know, running around shopping, going out to dinner, I would come home just like, Oh, I need my bed. I need to get in my bed on my heating pad. I need pain medication. Like it was, it was awful, you know? Yeah. And now it's like, I can do these things. I can go, go and go and not be in severe pain by the time I get home until I went where I need to go get in bed. Right. So, right. That's, that's so, that's really great and, and wonderful. And I agree with the pelvic PT. I, no one ever has told me to do it either. And I, I still need to do it, but yeah, it's just, I don't know why it's not talked about. I think it's definitely something that's worth being explored. So I also know that you have a support group where in the area that you live in, or even maybe online, tell us a little bit about your, your support group. Yeah. So I started a support group locally because, you know, that was such a big deal for me, having that community of, of people that could relate to what you were going through, you know? And it wasn't for the Indo community. Like I, I wouldn't be where I am today. I mean, in all honesty, they were my biggest support going through deciding to go have that surgery, you know, finding those people that had that surgery and, you know, talking to them and calming those nerves. So I started a local support group in my area so that we kind of could be, have that community and talk with each other, maybe do some meetups, start doing some advocating, so passionate about advocating. Um, you know, I meet so many women and so many women that they don't know their options. They don't, they don't know anything about excision. They're told they had to have a hysterectomy. So then that opportunity for them to have children was taken from them because that was the only option they were told, you know, that that's what they had to do. 
So I started a support group and it's called um, Endometriosis Warriors of Central Florida. And it's growing by the day. And I, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm very passionate about advocating for us. Yeah, so. that's that's so great that you took all of that and started something to help other people. And I agree and like echo your statements. The community is how I learned uh, about excision and what I needed to do. And I found strangers who supported me through because I had no idea what I was doing after I had already had a couple ablation surgeries. Cause that's what I was told I needed to do. Um, but yeah, I just think that's great that now you're paying it forward and you have a group that is supporting others. Well, great. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up or how can we find you? Tell us, tell us anything and everything. Yeah. Um, well, pretty much that group, that's where I do a lot of, you know, connecting with people. Um, I don't really have any other social media outlets or anything. Is that group on Facebook that you have? It is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's on Facebook. Yeah. Endometriosis warriors of central Florida. Yeah. Great. And I'm on some of the other groups too, you know, that are out there for endo, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, excision totally changed my life and that's why I reached out to you because I want people to know that you have options, you know, you do have options. Yeah. And, so. and you can feel well, almost completely well after having that. Now, sometimes people don't have access to getting excision care. So I also right. think, you know, you were able to man, I, I'm not a big fan of birth control, but you were yeah. at least able to manage for many years getting through, not that it was the best, but at least you had a tool to help get you through until you could get the surgery that you needed. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I mean, it did help. And I, I also don't really regret taking the birth control because it did help me to function in my everyday life. Um, you know, castor oil packs, I did those for, um, ovarian cysts. I wish I knew again, sooner about those. I was told, you know, by other endo people that, this helps with the ovarian cysts and stuff. So, um, that, you know, heat, you know, I lived on my, my heating pad was my best friend. I traveled with it everywhere I went. It was like an ongoing joke. Um, so, you know, diet too, I think plays a huge role. I mean, endometriosis is an inflammatory disease. And if our bodies are inflamed and we're feeding it inflammatory foods, we're going to feel inflamed. So, I know personally too, changing my diet to an anti-inflammatory diet, you know, taking supplements and stuff definitely helps. Um, my functional medicine doctor actually put me on just because I've, I have a history of endometriosis. She put me on, um, curcumin with Boswella. Um, she said that's really good for the inflammation pain as well as, you know, fish oil and stuff like that. So it's worth talking to like, you know, finding maybe functional medicine practitioner because Mm -hmm. we've we've gone through all this with conventional medicine and we're told Lupron or Lisa birth control, this and that, and we're still in pain. So sometimes I think looking for other alternative medicine can actually make a huge difference as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And people hear me say acupuncture all the time, which is, it is expensive, but it's really helped me. You know, I try to go once a month and, um, 
meditation has really helped just to like calm my parasympathetic nervous system. It doesn't make anything go away, but it helps my body to not be such fight or flight mode, which I think just makes my pain worse. Yes, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I mean, I, even after my surgery that I had in Atlanta, Atlanta, I experienced a loss and, you know, that my body, like, felt that pain. So I was having pain in all the surgical areas. Like, you know, so I think, you know, meditating and trying to calm yourself, like you said, definitely helps to kind of, you know, how many months after that surgery was it that you started to feel like really, I mean, I'm sure there, it was a pretty, um, long recovery, not long, but like until you felt really like yourself again. I mean, and it, and it was, it's funny because it was kind of a long recovery, but then it went by so fast. It really, truly did. And it's so hard because I was driving, I want to say four weeks post-op. I mean, two and a half weeks post-op, I went to brunch and sat, you know, I, I did a little bit of walking, sat at the restaurant, ate and went home. So, wow, you know, it is so scary because like you had so much done. I didn't yeah. overdo myself. I think being positive too made a huge difference in my recovery. I went into that surgery saying, this is going to work and I'm going to feel better. And this is going to be like my new life. And so keeping that mindset, like, you know, when I was in the hospital, they told me you need your goal. That first day was to walk two times. I walked three times in that hospital. I was like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get out of here. And I'm going to live a normal, a normal life, you know? So Um, I think being positive and trying to have that positive mindset definitely helps. So recovery wise, it did take, you know, I would say probably full recovery six months, but I I mean, that's like, when I say six months, that means like cleaning my house from top to bottom and going to the grocery store maybe I'm sore and like worn out after six months because my body went through so much for sure, you know, for so, for so long. So, yeah. yeah. No, that yeah. you mean like a hundred percent, you were obviously getting yeah. better like every single week, every single day, sure. but like to be yeah. like 100% pushing it six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I would say, like I said, I was driving at four weeks. Um, cause it was after I stopped taking the pain medication. I mean, maybe not four weeks, sometimes those weeks and all that runs together, you know, blend but together. it blends together, but, um, you know, for everything I had done, obviously those restrictions. So like a hysterectomy, that kind of thing, it's like eight weeks, you know, don't lift more than a gallon of milk kind of thing. Right. But I would walk and do things, you know, dr- you know, drive or ride and mm-hmm. walk and just take it easy. I didn't overdo myself, but it was important to move your body and walk and, sure. you know, sure. So All right. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Anything else before we wrap up? I don't know. Thank you so much for having me though. I'm so happy to be able to share my story and, you know, hopefully it can help and inspire others. Yeah. We really, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, keep feeling well and thank you again so much for sharing. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your support, listening in, and all of your positive feedback. It means so much to me. If you'd like to leave a review, I'd really appreciate it if you could do that on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get more guests 
helps us get higher search ranking, and I just really appreciate all of that good feedback because it helps people discover the Cycle Podcast. Also, if you want to keep the conversation going, please join the Facebook group. There is the link in the show notes, and it's just a group, a very small group of people who listen to the podcast and guests who have been on the podcast if you want to further the conversation. And lastly, this podcast is not a replacement for medical advice or treatment, so always have to put that disclaimer in there. Please always, always talk to your doctor. And thank you so much for listening, supporting the cycle. It means everything to me. And I just hope that this is helping you and you're feeling okay today. Thank you again. Thank you.